Howdy, folks. Welcome to Savory Avery, episode 29. It's May 8th, 2022, 2.27 p.m., a Sunday, and also Mother's Day. So, happy Mother's Day, even though it's not going to... It's going to be a belated Mother's Day, but nonetheless. Yep, another chill day. Not doing very much. I'm home alone. It's quiet. I'm lonely. Thought I'd yell into the mic. So here we are. It's hailing like crazy. We got a bunch of rain last night, and now I went grocery shopping on my way home from my mother's house, and we're getting a hefty hailstorm. Luckily... The objects are small. These aren't big golf ball sized hail. What do you call them? Hail rocks, pebbles, pieces, flakes. They're not flakes. They're not drops. I don't know what they are. But they're small. So we don't have to worry about them digging up the car anymore or messing up the siding on the house. It's a real pain in the ass. That's that's something that you pay for when you... When you buy some land that's outside of the city or even just on the outskirts of town, typically you get hit real hard. So I'll probably I'll probably just be kicking it, hanging out at home, keep working on my iPhone app. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I bought a MacBook off my sister and I told myself that I was going to try to take Swift to go and make a project, see how how I enjoy it, how I feel about it. And uh, it's been about two and a half weeks since then, and I think it's safe to say that I'm hooked. Swift is awesome, super fun, really easy and intuitive. It allows you to get projects done really fast. I was going to... I've mentioned in the past that I'm just trying to sample a bunch of different programming languages, doing a project or two on them, and then trying another one, seeing which one I prefer the most. I know how to code in processing in Arduino, and as well as Java, and then a little bit of you know JavaScript, HTML, CSS. I was going to go and give C Sharp a try, but then I got to talking to one of my buddies who convinced me to see how Swift is first, and man, I think I'm going to keep using it for a little while before I move along to another language. This one is great. It's definitely my favorite so far. I haven't done any graphics yet. Um, I'm just still learning the fundamentals, but I think I have a pretty good app idea that I'm working on at the moment. Uh, I just finished my first version, like my first actually complete version. I think it's great. Uh, it's not like a skateboarding video game. It's an interactive game. A few weeks ago, I talked about a Java project I made, and I, that was indeed a game that involved 2D graphics. Uh, this game is something that you play with other people at the skate park, though, on the on the iOS app. I think it's a good idea. I mean, there aren't very many skateboarding games that I know of, at least, that are out there, so I thought it was a good a good idea to try to make an app somewhere in that space. Um, the only games that I'm really aware of are Battle Royale, where two players try the same trick, taking turns, and whoever lands that trick first wins. And then there's Skate, 
which is either five letters or three letters. It's similar to pig or horse in basketball. Basically, the player that has the advantage that begins um, names a trick. They then try that trick. If they land it, their opponent has to try that trick. If the opponent does not land it, then they get a letter. The opponent gets a letter. The first player to spell out skate loses. That's another fun one. Another one is skate dice. Um, That game is similar to Battle Royale in that you are just trying one trick. Um, Basically, you roll a set of dice. There are, I believe there are three different dice, maybe four. And they all have you know different stuff on them. One of them is front side and back side. The other one is switched regular faking ollie. And then the other one has 180, 360. And then the other one has like kickflip, heel flip, varial, other stuff like that. And that makes up a trick. The issue with that game is that there are only one set of dice. And half of the time... Uh, a fucking crazy ass impossible trick gets generated. So unless you're like crazy good, it's not really all that fun. Now, my game, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. And if you're interested, let me know if you have any feedback, any ideas to add to the game, any if you want to help, or if you want to, you know, like talk to me about Swift and stuff. Like that that's really cool. I'm, I'm stoked if you're in, if you're thinking about doing it any of the above so my game is played with two players or in groups of two and uh, when you begin it gives you the option to play on easy intermediate advanced or impossible levels so anyone can play if you're just starting out you can go with easy and if you're completely absolutely ridiculously fried at skating then you can try impossible once you choose the difficulty enter both of the player names Uh, The player who starts first is randomly chosen. That player then generates a trick and then has a decision about whether they want to assign the trick to themselves or to their opponent. Once the trick is assigned, it can't be changed. and And the second trick, a different one, is then generated automatically afterwards and is automatically assigned to the player who does not have a trick. Now that both players have a different trick assigned to them, the player that has the advantage and that uh, started the game and assigned the first trick gets to also try the first trick. After they try, their opponent tries, and you take turns. Trying, you each get three tries. If both of you don't land the trick after three tries, then it's a draw. If one of you lands the trick, the opponent has one more try to land theirs. If they do land their trick... If both of you do, then it's a draw again. But if a player lands their trick and the opponent does not, then a point is rewarded to the player that landed their trick. That's the end of one round. After that, you start a new round. Every round, the player that starts, that has the advantage, or in another word, chooses who to assign the trick to and gets to try their trick first, is switched. So every round, the player with the advantage switches, no matter who wins or loses. You keep doing this until a player reaches three points. And once you, it's first to three and you win. Game over. Restart. Very simple concept, but I think it'll be fun. You know, the fact that you have to make a decision on who's going to get the first trick assigned to them without knowing the second one gives the game a little bit of strategy 
and forces the player to make an educated guess. And um, it's a very simple game. I, th I thought about perhaps adding some sort of uh, animation um, just in case somebody doesn't know what the trick exactly is. You know, so like once the trick gets generated, you could click a button and it'll show you like what the movement of the board is, what that would look like. I realized that that would just make it too complex. I want to make it as simple as possible. Um, and yeah, it's a super simple game. There's literally only uh, a few different pages that pop up. Uh, you can view the rules at any point during the game to refresh yourself. You can also restart whenever you want. And so for easy, intermediate, advanced, and impossible, I wrote four different lists that are just super long strings. And that is what the random trick generator pulls from every time a trick is generated. But I wrote it in a way where anytime a trick is generated, it's dropped into a set, which is basically just an array that can have two of the same element. So uh, that ensures that it isn't storing the same trick twice in the set. And the set keeps on growing and isn't cleared until all of the tricks have been pulled from. So you're never going to get the same trick twice in a game unless you've already gone through all of them. Right now, I'm basically just fine-tuning it, trying to figure out exactly what tricks I should put in it. For example, in the easy version, in the easy difficulty option, the list is quite small. I only have about 40 tricks that get randomly generated simply because there just aren't that many tricks out there that a beginner can do. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking about maybe adding like do a manual for two seconds or maybe do some freestyle stuff. Uh, but then that gets into the issue of people probably won't even know what half of the name, what half of the names of the tricks are. And there will, there will be too much of a gap between the easiest ones and the hard ones. It just won't make sense. I'm still figuring that all out. I'm also just playing around with the fonts, the color scheme, just trying to, you know, make the UI as nice on the eyes as possible. And it's been really fun and I'm really happy with how it's gone. Um, it didn't really take too long to understand uh, how Swift works and it's been two and a half weeks and I already have a fully functional app. So I think I'm at the point now where I'll bring it down to Swood and we can play with some buddies and I'll just give it to a couple people, see if they're able to play it without any instruction, you know, because the game needs to be easy and intuitive enough so that anyone can just pick it up and start playing right away. And after a couple months of receiving feedback and fine-tuning it, I think I'll put it on the App Store for everyone else to play. You know, it'll be free, no ads, nothing like that. Maybe if I notice that people are enjoying it and it turns out to be a good game, then I'll ask for donations eventually. But I just want it so that my homies can like play a new game at the park because, I mean, I've been playing skate religiously ever since I started for about a decade, and I love it. There's nothing wrong with the game. It's a great game, but it'd be good to switch it up every once in a while. And, you know, this is just one game that I thought that I thought up relatively quickly, but um, I have lots of other games. I, I, I have come up with lots of other great ideas for interactive skateboarding games in the process of making this one. So after I complete this one, I might make another one because I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there and there's a real lack of uh, those types of games. 
Maybe for good reason. I don't know. Maybe skate is just like the perfect game and that's just what everyone wants to play. But I feel like there's a group of people out there that want to switch it up and try something new. So hopefully it appeals to somebody out there. Yeah, using Swift is very interesting. It's something that really throws me off is there's no semicolons at the end of any statements so or at the end of any lines of code at all. So I found myself attaching semicolons to all my code and then I eventually realized, shit, I'm not supposed to do that. That being said, uh, it doesn't, uh, like adding semicolons to the end of a line of code typically doesn't mess with the compiler. Um, it still runs properly, but that's just not actually how it should look and I keep forgetting that. So little things like that. Also, it, the, so in order to lay out um, objects or, or elements in the user interface, you use these things called stacks. Basically the way it works is there's there's an H stack for horizontal, V stack for vertical, and then a Z stack for um, like layering on top, doing like overlays and stuff. Basically they're just, uh, it's, just a, it, it's just a block of code. So it has, you know, for example, you would write, if you wanna line everything up, vertically and space them out properly and equally without having to enter the exact amount of pixels that they need to be separated by you simply add a v stack so you do capital vs lowercase t-a-c-k and then two parentheses followed by two curly brackets and all of the code that uh, you want to be inside of the v stack you just write inside of the curly brackets and in between the elements or in between the objects, you just put spacers, and that automatically spaces them out equally, which is very convenient because almost all of the iPhones have slightly different screen sizes, and um, not everyone has the newest iPhone. Um, so it makes the UI development a lot easier because the program will automatically adjust and make sure that all of the elements fit the screen properly when you use the spacers. There's a lot, uh, uh, like, the, the documentation also is fantastic. Apple has a developer page that outlines basically any lesson that you'd want to learn in Swift, which is fantastic because uh, one, of the, one of the biggest issues I find when uh, searching for resources to help me with the coding problem that I have, uh, spe- like, and outside of Swift particularly is you'll get onto Stack Overflow or GitHub and like half of the top recommended links or websites to visit um, are talking about IDEs that are like two or three versions old and the syntax doesn't apply and it's confusing and frustrating. But with Swift, if you just visit the Apple developers page and it's always going to be the most, it's always going to be um, you know, uh, support and instructions for the most recent version of the Xcode IDE. Another really great thing about Xcode um, and I, I, is that you can just download the app onto your iPhone in an instant and then use it and show it. Um, in order to put your app on the App Store, you need to purchase a developer's, uh, like a iOS developer account. This gives you access to the App Store in order to upload your apps as well as 
um, some sort of uh, beta platform where you can upload unfinished apps for other developers to um, find bugs for you. Um, it's great though because I, I was reading online that apparently the older versions of Xcode um, didn't allow um, users without a developer's account to upload the software onto their phone. They changed that, which is great. Um, but, you know, e even before that, it isn't like the end of the world because there are virtual simulators within the Xcode platform that allow you to compile and run your code very fast on an iPhone. It's just the iPhone is on your screen. But now that I have the option to upload it directly to my phone, I can bring it to the skate park and test it out and test it out on people without having to pay that $100 USD uh, yearly subscription. Um, right now I have a red background and all of the text and buttons are have uh, buttons behind them or have a blue background behind them. All right, so you have like a red and then like blue bubbles. All of the words that have a black colored font are just text and all of the words that have a white colored font are buttons. And yeah, it's a simple game. Um, you know, I, I have, I mean, so many ideas to uh, improve the app in order to make it more functional. But I'm thinking of just trying to keep it as simple as possible because once you add too many functionalities, it makes the UI look, you know, there's too much going on and you don't know exactly what you're doing and it can be intimidating. Um, I just wanna make it as sleek as possible so that uh, People can just start playing right away and it's intuitive and they don't really have to think too much about it. It's been very fun. Uh, I think after this, I mean, I, I said just now, like just a few minutes ago that I'm thinking about making other types of interactive skateboarding apps aside from this one. By the way, this one right now, I'm still deciding on a name for it. Uh, right now I'm going with Skate Match. Uh, I'm trying hard to incorporate uh, some sort of skateboarding word into the name just because that makes sense. So I use skate match because basically you're just matching different tricks with different skaters. Simple, sleek, they're both five letter words, so it kind of works out good. Before that, I was thinking about naming it three squared, like three and then like superscript with two, you know. But I decided against that because it sounds kind of confusing. It could be anything. Um, the reason for initially choosing that, though, was because uh, first player to three points wins, and each round, each skater has three tries. So three squared. It kind of makes it easy to remember the rules, but I'm leaning towards skate match now. But, you know, even if I don't, I mean, I, I'm thinking about making another game after this. I mean, it'll probably be another month or two before I'm completely done with this one. But once I am, I'm kind of eager to start trying some some actual like video games, like some graphics, because I have no idea how to do that on Swift. But I also have some pretty cool ideas for that. Most of my app ideas are skateboarding related. Mm, you know, it's just what interests me. And also, I feel as if there is um, still a lot of opportunity in the world of making skateboarding games, whether it be video games or interactive games or just skateboarding in general and that's what I know best so 
Um, excluding the extremely long strings that I have for my list of skateboarding tricks and displaying the rules, um, my my file is, I think, 650 lines. So I cut it down pretty good. I... Uh, when I was so I, I wrote out like I think it was version three, I wrote I wrote I wrote it out in 650 lines about maybe almost 700, and I was thinking oh man like once I clean this up and go over everything I could probably shrink it down to like 450 or 550 lines you know, and I did and it was great it was pretty easy, um, and I was able to shrink it down, but then I had to add all of the you know, UI design stuff, making, you know, adding the bubbles and the fonts and the colors. And that added another 100 lines. Now it's back up to 650. Right now, I'm basically just using if statements to separate the different screens that are displayed and incrementing a variable every time certain buttons are pressed in order to change to a new page or to display new text and buttons. I have a feeling that that is not the best way to do it, mainly because all of my all of my code is in one. It's all in the main content page, and it can make it look pretty disgusting. I would imagine that there's a way to make multiple classes, or I don't even know what it's called in Swift, but like multiple files, where you would pull different content views and pull different methods um, into the main content page, but I got lazy and it's just all on the main one. So if someone's trying to like, it would be like extremely difficult for someone to read my code or to debug it. But since it's just me reading it, it's not a big deal. It makes more than enough sense to me. But I think once I finally get it polished up, the last thing I'll do is try to just make sure that my code is written in the correct way, you know, using all like the professional best practiced methods but for the time being, I mean, like, I, I, I have it fully debugged, more or less. There's, and, and it was relatively easy to debug just because of there, is, there isn't very much going on. I've been considering the idea of eventually one day becoming, like, a front-end developer or being involved in, you know, like, video games or some sort of UI programming. And if I want to do that, um, I need to develop a portfolio, especially since I'm self-taught. And I've realized that, uh, you know, my process right now of spending about a month on a programming language and learning the fundamentals and sampling the rest, although it, I think it will be effective in finding my favorite programming language and what, and what intrigues me the most uh, it really isn't preparing me well for job searches because I really don't have any professionally done work that I can uh, show a potential employer in order to, you know, have them be even slightly interested in me. So I really want to get out this first app and then I think the best line of attack would be to tackle a new project whether it be on Swift or another language that sort of focuses more on a different aspect of programming whether it be networking or 3D graphics or you know just so I have a basic understanding of like the whole gamut of of all the different specialties of programming
but you know that's going to take some time i'm hoping maybe after a couple of years i'll have you know maybe like three or four applications that i'm proud of that the code is actually professional and clean and written properly that i can show to someone because i mean if i was hiring a programmer i definitely wouldn't just take their word for it that they understand the fundamentals and they know what they're doing i'd want to see something that they wrote at the very least i mean i would imagine that they still do technical interviews but before you even get to that point i mean if you have a lot of applicants you got to weed them out somehow i would probably weed out the ones that haven't worked on any passion projects or haven't actually you know, made a practical application that they were interested in and deemed useful. Something unique about my game um, that is different from uh, Skate and Skate Dice and Battle Royale is that, um, for example, in the easy mode, um, I'm not, I have, I have some big spins in there, but Obviously, someone who's a beginner, um, maybe they can do a big spin, but they definitely can't do uh, all of them or, you know. So, like, for example, in Skate Dice, if you roll a big spin, it tells you whether you have to do it 1-8. It tells you whether you have to do it nollie or fakie or regular or switch as well as frontside or backside. Instead... In order to allow the skater to try a new trick like a big spin, but um, to not make it too difficult, I just say backside, big spin, any stance. Or frontside or backside, big spin, any stance. Right? Um, doing that gives them eight different options. Nolly, regular, fakie, or switch. Big spin, either frontside or backside. That's fun because they can try to learn, like, for example, a fakie big spin is probably what most beginners would try if they were assigned that trick. And then you go up to intermediate. And instead of just having kickflip any stance, you do kickflip, fakie flip, nollie flip, switch flip. Right? So I'm not just um, most of the tricks that I'm naming. It's one trick in particular that you have to do. But depending on what difficulty level you're at, if the trick that is named is considered to be a difficult trick, it'll give you more than one option to try so that uh, it's easier for you given that the more options of tricks you have to try, one of them will be easier than the other, making it a higher chance that you'll land the assigned trick. I don't know if that made any sense or not, but... Yeah, and uh, you know, I made the game so that someone like me could play in advanced. I mean, I've been skating for over a decade, I think, and um, the majority of that has consisted of flip tricks. I definitely can't do all of them, but in terms of the basics, I would say I could do most of them. Um, not well or consistently, but I could do most of them if you gave me enough tries. And then the impossible is kind of ridiculous. I have all of the easy tricks in there, but then I also just have crazy shit. Now... It's very easy to change the rules. Maybe once I get some friends to play the game, I might realize a crucial flaw in the game causing me to change it. But I think it's pretty solid. You know, this took me two and a half weeks, but most uh, of the work on the app wasn't actually physically coding. It was just engineering the game and trying to figure out a way 
where you can have a fun new game that is easy to understand and accessible to everyone, no matter how good you are. And even if no one likes it, I'll just keep it on my phone and play it for myself, really. I just think that it's like a fun thing for me even to do, you know, instead of playing a regular old boring game of skate. Um, I was thinking about making it three-player and four-player. That would just make the game uh, a lot more complicated in terms of rules. Um, so I decided to just make it, um, if there's more than two people, you play in teams. Which is chill. I've played many, many games of skate where instead of there being uh, four individual players, there were two teams of two. That adds a different level, that adds a different type of complexity to the game because now, depending on what the trick is, um, there will be, you know, someone in the group that is best suited for trying that trick. Now that I bring that up, I haven't really considered if there should be stipulations about how many times the same player can try a trick, because if you just have someone in your team that's OP, then obviously you'll just get them to play the whole game for you, which isn't very fair. So I might have to add that into the rules somewhere. I'll also definitely add a frequently asked questions area because there are some small rules that not everyone might understand right off the bat. Uh, like when I say flip, that means you can do a kickflip or a heel flip, right? Um, if it's not specified, if it's just a flip, then you have that freedom. I also decided um, just this morning actually to implement reverts and sex changes into the game. Um, I only have a couple sex change tricks in easy and then more of them um, the more difficult the game gets. Um, but I made sure that even if you're in, in, in impossible mode, it, it isn't going to tell you to do like a switch laser flip sex change because that's beyond impossible. That's just stupid. So in the advanced version, I have like a tray flip revert and like front shove revert and like a hard flip revert. Because those are like, although those are pretty technical, complex tricks, they are commonly done compared to others like laser flip revert and impossible revert and inward heel revert, which I then put in the impossible version. In the advanced version, I think I put inward heel revert any stance just because I could do a nollie inward heel revert. I got some friends that could do regular inward heel revert. Uh, we definitely couldn't do any of the other ones. And maybe I might make it longer than three rounds. Actually, a good functionality would be to allow the player to decide how many points they are going to play up to. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to add that right after this. Because, you know, you might want to play more than three points. It's kind of like uh, the reason I thought of it is I was thinking of Mario Party. Whenever you play, they ask you how many rounds you want to go for. That definitely is a good idea. Uh, you know, that's, that is the issue. I mean, like three days into making the app, I remember telling my girlfriend, I'm like almost done. I'm like 75% there. And then you get to the point that you thought was the finish line. And then you realize that there's, you're actually only at 25% 
because there's all these other extra rules that you feel you need to add into. You keep finding different bugs along the way. Uh, and then and then you realize that you actually hate the whole UI design and you change everything and you got to test different stuff and it just goes forever. It, it, it's kind of like people in retiring, you know, like once they get to the point where they can stop, they're like, yeah, but if I just go a little bit longer, it'll be like a little bit better. And then you just get caught up. And then before you know it, you're dead and you've only created one app or you literally haven't even retired yet. So you got to be careful about that. But I, and I've been saying this for like a week and a half, I'm almost there. But even though I keep saying that every day, I am getting a little closer. I just don't really know what percentage I'm at. So, I mean, that's the fun of it though. I mean, it's just, it's exhilarating um, coming up with an idea. I mean, my initial idea for the skateboarding game was so far removed from what I have now. But I think that what I have now is much better. And who knows, maybe it'll keep morphing and morphing until I find something that I deem is better suited. Holy shit. I was, this was not the plan. The topic of discussion today was supposed to be bananas. I made a list. I made a top 10 list of my favorite banana dishes. I had a whole, I had a whole doc that I, that I, you know, sort of conjured up full of banana fun facts, fun facts about bananas. It was, it was going to be bananas. I mean, but I got sidetracked and talked about this, this thing that's been consuming me for the past few weeks. That's okay. Maybe I should name my music for the week before I forget. All right. So first on the docket, we got MF Doom. Uh, I try to name artists that you might not know about already, right? Because obviously there's a lot of music that I like out there that has 100 million views on or 100 million listens on Spotify. And, but odds are a majority of the people listening to this are like, yeah, buddy, I fucking know it's a banger, but MF doom, particularly, uh, I love his instrumentals to freestyle to typically on my morning to work, little wake up freestyle sesh. A couple of my favorites are, uh, eucalyptus from his special herbs, the box set volume zero to nine. If you just search up MF Doom instrumentals, there's like a hundred of them. My favorite ones though, Eucalyptus, as well as Monosodium Glutamate, which is just a chemistry term for a compound, which I am not aware of, but I'm going to search up right now. Um, those are my two favorite MF Doom songs. Very, very fun. Next we have the artist or the group Piper, it's in all caps, P-I-P-E-R. The song in particular I want to mention is Summer Breeze from the Summer Breeze album. That is a great song to dance to, in my opinion. Very fire. I think it's like an 80s song. Lastly, we have the group The Fur Period. And one of my favorite songs by them is called Short Stay from the album Town. All very good stuff, folks. I'll throw those in to the playlist. Monosodium glutamate, also known as sodium glutamate, is the sodium salt of glutamic acid. MSG 
is found naturally in some foods, including tomatoes and cheese, in this glutamic acid form. Oh, it's MSG. Yeah, monosodium glutamate, MSG. That's the stuff that makes anything taste good. If you're like, got to eat something you don't like, just pour some of that MSG on it. All right. That's basically it, folks. I kind of feel bad, though. I was excited about talking about bananas. It's my, it's one of my, I don't know if it's my favorite fruit, but it's definitely the fruit that I eat the most. I have probably like five or six a week. Definitely have one every day on the weekday at the very least. I don't know. There's something about them. I don't know if it's like the shape or like how it feels in my mouth. But whenever I grab one and shove it down my eating hole, it just it just seems right for whatever reason. I feel like I'm at home when I have a banana in my mouth. Just kidding. All right, let's talk about some quick banana fun facts, shall we? Did you know that bananas float in water? As do apples and watermelons. If you rub the inside of a banana peel on a scrape or burn, it will help the pain go away, keep the swelling down, and keep the wound from getting infected. Okay. If you rub the inside of a small piece of banana peel on a wart every night, or tape a piece of banana peel over the wart, the potassium in the peel can make the wart disappear in one to two weeks. Oh shit, I should try that. I have a wart on my hand. I kind of, my whole life I've kind of got warts on and off. They've always been small, luckily. For like a really long time, I probably had like a hundred like tiny warts on the bottoms of my feet, around my like toes. And like no one would notice them except me, but they're fucking disgusting. I think they're gone now. Eventually they went away. And I had some on my hand for a while too, like just a couple of them. And then I went a couple of years without getting any warts, and uh, here we are again. I got another wart on my finger. It's been about a year that it's been here. I think it's at its maximum growth. It's pretty big. I mean, it's still like a small wart, but in terms of like me getting warts, might go away. But hey, I got lots of bananas. Might not hurt to try to try that. To whiten teeth naturally, rub the inside of a banana peel on your teeth for about two minutes every night. If you gargle with salt water, this will heighten the effect. Expect results in about two weeks. It works because of the effect of the potassium, magnesium, and manganese in the banana peel. Okay. Okay, this is starting to sound like a cure-all here. It basically says that if you just fucking rub it on your body, it'll make everything better. It'll take away the warts. It'll help your cuts. It'll whiten your teeth. Is that like an alternative to brushing your teeth? Or, you know, do you do you rub the banana on your teeth before or after you brush them? I don't know. Oh, some, what's up with this rubbing? What's up with, people, what's up with people rubbing bananas? It's like everyone's obsessed with rubbing bananas. Rub it on your forehead to help cure a headache. Okay. I don't know if I'm buying. What is this website? This is some bullshit. This is like one of the top recommendations, but I don't know if I believe it. Okay, let's just keep going here. Bananas make great conditioner that helps restore dry, damaged hair. Mash a banana and add a tablespoon of heavy cream and a tablespoon of honey. 
Then apply it to dry hair. <gasps> Cover your hair with a shower cap and then wrap your head in a warm towel. Leave it on for up to an hour and then rinse thoroughly with warm water before shampooing. Oh my god. Could you imagine that's your that's your daily routine? You fucking put banana and honey, mashed up bananas and honey on your head and then you wash it out. I mean, that might smell pretty good actually. I mean, if you like the smell of bananas. I would definitely not try that. That seems like a real pain in the dick or a real pain in the banana, I should say. Bananas and banana peels make great fertilizer. You can compost them, bury them whole, or cut them in small pieces and mix them with garden soil. This is because of their phosphorus and potassium content. Roses especially like them. Okay, Rubbing the inside of a banana peel on a houseplant leaves make them shiny. Ooh. Okay, that one is actually useful. I have this big-ass plant. I don't know what it's called, but it has these huge leaves, probably about a dozen of them, and they're all dusty as hell. I've tried to dust them. It's hard, though. There's a lot of leaf, and you got to be gentle. They don't have any shine, though. They don't have that sheen. Maybe I should rub a banana on them. Also, maybe I should just pour water on the leaves. What the hell? Rubbing the inside, okay, you can use the inside of a banana peel to clean and polish leather shoes. They also make good silver polish. Just rub silver with the inside of a peel and then buff with a cloth. Okay, I found this pretty interesting. Bananas don't actually grow on trees. They grow on plants that are officially classified as a herb, which gives the banana its weird name. I'm not sure if you've heard this before. The world's largest herb. They're in the same family as lilies, orchids, and palms. Banana plants grow up to 25 feet high and their leaves can grow to be nine feet long and two feet wide. Their roots can be hundreds of years old. Bananas are technically berries. Okay. Banana plants don't grow from the seeds. You can't seed bananas and then grow bananas. You need to use the bulbs. I don't even know what the bulb of a banana plant is, but you got to use that. A cluster of bananas is called a hand, and a single banana is called a finger. Each banana hand has about 10 to 20 fingers. Bananas are low in calories and have no fat, no sodium, or any cholesterol. They have vitamin C, potassium, fiber, and vitamin B6. Eating bananas may, capitalize on may, lower the risk of heart attacks and strokes as well as decrease the risk of getting some cancers. Bananas are the only fruit that contain the amino acid tryptophan plus vitamin B6. They help your body produce serotonin, a natural substance that alleviates depression. So if you're feeling depressed, just eat a shit ton of bananas. About half of all people that are allergic to latex are often also allergic to bananas. Bananas are naturally slightly radioactive thanks to their potassium content, but the level of radiation is not high enough to cause harm. I remember hearing about this and I tried to find this 
in this extremely interesting graph that one of my teachers showed me in college. I was unable to find it, but it outlined the amount of uh, radioactivity that's absorbed by a person when performing different types of x-rays, right? Because there's, there's like a regular x-ray, but then it also depends on where they do it on your body. So like you would get the most radiation if you received a chest x-ray as opposed to like a hand x-ray. But then they also have like fluoroscopy, which is sort of like video x-ray. So it's like a way longer exposure time. And it kind of outlined, like it made a, it made a visual of how much radiation is being absorbed. I believe it was measured in sieverts or I don't know. There's lots of ways to measure radiation. But it also, just for fun, at the bottom showed how much radiation a banana has. And yeah, it was, it was very, very little. Basically negligible, as this website is saying. All right, honestly, that's like about it. I'm already bored of bananas. Like, what the fuck? Anyway, I think that's all, folks. Thank you very much. Take a look at my Instagram. I'll probably post some shit about my app to show people what I'm doing. And eventually, I'll have it out there for you to download for free and play with and let me know if it's fun. And I'll try to make it as good as I can. And I'm willing to constantly take feedback. You know, I just... I just want to make it cool. So uh, have a good week, folks. Thank you very much. Follow me on Instagram at skatebug, S-K-8-B-U-G. I have tons of YouTube videos. If you like watching skate videos, just search up Avery Nazin. Lots of cool stuff. And I hope that you all have a wonderful week. Take care. And until next time, good night.